Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. October 10, 2019, Gino Bacola here on the Mike Abadir Show. And Mike next to me, like always, in so many different directions we can go. We have three game fives in the division series in MLB. Another week of football and college football going on. Uh, Hockey going on. uh, Horse racing prep races for the Breeders' Cup. uh, Tons. Tons to discuss, Mike. What? Where do we? Where do we start today? Yeah, I mean, I I have no uh, horse in the race, so to speak, when it comes to uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs. But they've been fantastic. The last few years, we've commented on how exciting and down to the wire all these games and series have gone, and even even matchups that seemingly are mismatches on paper have found a way to not only be competitive, but to uh, provide us upsets, uh, extra innings, and just overall, MLB has done a fantastic job. Um, All these teams have done a fantastic job, you know, putting together playoff rosters who can battle out the 162 and get really gritty when push comes to shove. But before we dive into all that, I actually want to dedicate this show to a, a dear friend of mine, Claudia Newcomer, who uh, tragically passed away uh, t- on Tuesday morning. And uh, she's somebody that I've known for a very long time. Uh, she was a referral to me to hire her. And I hired her back, uh, I don't know, about 12, 13 years ago. And she's kind of been like my right-hand person uh, ever since then. We've worked together alongside of each other for many, many years. And um, she actually has a... Uh, sports tie-in Gino uh, two ways the first one is uh, her sister Lucy is uh, Walker Bueller's mother and the second tie-in is that she's cousins of with uh, of uh, uh, Jose Vizcaino so uh, who's who's currently a uh, special advisor to the Dodgers so she actually and it's all just kind of random that both ended up uh, well maybe not so much because I think Jose kind of probably talked up Walker leading up to the draft and things of that nature. But yeah, they both end up being at the Dodgers. So want to dedicate this show to Claudia. Uh, I miss her. I know she's looking down on us with a big smile. Uh, actually a frown after the loss of the Dodgers yesterday, Gino, because she was she bleeds blue big time, big time, big time, as does her uh, poor husband, Bobby, who if uh, you are listening, hopefully we can provide you a brief escape during this uh, really tough week. So, very sorry uh, to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, you go from a perfect model of health or, you know, nothing wrong with you, and then, um, boom, I mean, she had a brain aneurysm, and that was it. You know, so uh, very, very tough circumstances, very unexpected. You know, it wasn't one of those things where she's been, you know, in and out of the hospital or sick for a while or got cancer or something, and, and you kind of have an idea that it could happen, and then it tragically does. No, this was just like watching the Chiefs-Colts game and... Um, Right afterwards, boom, it happens. 
But uh, she was a huge Dodger fan, and I know she would want us to talk some Dodger blue right now. She would be feeling the blues if she's here, and hopefully she'd be very she's proud having... of Walker's performance. Yeah, though. man, you got to start. You got to start. Gritty there. performance, gritty, gritty performance, Gino. I mean, he was able to block out a lot, and it sounded like after the game he kind of released emotionally, but. As a Dodger fan, what did he show you? And you knew about these trying circumstances because we talked about them, even though it hadn't been revealed publicly yet. What did yesterday tell you about Walker as a frontline starting pitcher? And then we'll delve into the games in the series itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's absolutely got, got the stuff. Um, and what's crazy is that we, you know, and I think we compare and we ask a lot of uh are our top of the line starting pitchers, but there really aren't very many that uh, that prove what he's proven so far in his short career and uh, in some of the the postseason games that he's had to step up. I mean, this was an elimination game for the Dodgers, and he left with two outs in the sixth inning and had given up one run. And I actually like what. Dave Roberts did right then. He went to Clayton Kershaw in a really good matchup for Kershaw against Adam Eaton, someone who's not really a home run hitter um, as Kershaw. And a lot of baseball pitchers now are more susceptible to the home run because there's just more home runs in baseball, period. And that was just a great matchup. And and then you get out of that inning and it's 3-1 and it's like, wow, you, this is exactly the template that the Dodgers had had drawn up. You get a great start from Walker. You get... You, you get to Strasburg early. You get a couple of runs off Strasburg, and now you're set up perfectly for you know just mixing and matching all of the different options you have in the bullpen for six more outs. And I I, I feel more than anything I'm I'm bummed they lost. Um, you know what? I, and honestly, not not like redboarding or anything. I, I'm not that surprised they lost. We've discussed this for a while. How this matchup was not one I was looking forward to, and I was not going to be surprised to see just a couple good performances from some of their starting pitching. And that, that's really all it takes in a five-game series. We're seeing it with the Astros too, man. Like really good teams in a small sample size like this. It's not like in football or in basketball, you know. Like in a five-game series, a basketball team, the best team generally wins, you know, almost all the time. And in football even, like even rarely in a game does a, a team that's much, much better get defeated. And that's just not the case in baseball, you know. It's just it's just not. We're seeing it right now in these first couple series. So uh, it's a bummer because I I'm, I feel bad for Walker for 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 the effort that he put out. He deserved a win, and a lot of the players on the Dodgers deserved a win. But but you know it it doesn't work that way because there's a lot of them that didn't show up and didn't deserve the win too, right? So it it doesn't it, it doesn't work that way. But I'm. You know, I'm I'm a little I'm a little bummed out at this kind of like the way that the Dodger this season went from a lot of Dodger fans uh, in general because it just felt like there was just way it wasn't fun. You know, I, I I it was not fun. There wasn't um a lot of enjoyment through this historic Dodger season where they won 106 games, and I'm not talking about the way it ended. Obviously, you don't like ever leave. No, no, you'd actually sort of alluded to that a on few the times, show multiple yeah. times. Do you think that's because, see, and I loved every minute of the Red Sox season last year from beginning to end, wire to wire. But there's probably a big distinction in that the, they hadn't made the World Series back-to-back years prior to that. You know what I mean? Do you yeah, think that has kind of a, a, a role in it? Obviously, yeah, oh, if they hadn't absolutely. made the World Series and then absolutely. they would just win 106 this yeah, year out of the blue, 
you know, you'd be stoked. And it's frustrating because do, I mean, as someone who's a fan, I am as emotional. I'm telling you when it comes to the Dodgers, the Lakers, USC, you know, the Rams, not quite as much, but still very much like this impacts me for days, for weeks. You know, I am all in on my teams, but I've become a little bit more rational, you know, the more that I've bet and the more that I've kind of like tried to step back and, and look at things. And it was just like, Two years in a row, they had excellent seasons. They lost to really good teams in the World Series, and everybody was acting like the word that I hate to see, and 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 I hated to see. And it's I think it's it's a little more relevant today. Sure, is the word choke because I never felt like the Dodgers choked against the Red Sox or even against the Astros, where you know what Kershaw and Kenley got blew a few leads. They're like those are really good teams. You're not going to shut out or just dominate really good teams. And I think some Dodger fans, just the way that the last couple of years have been, they got really spoiled and just expected we're automatically going to be right back in the World Series. And if we don't win, it's disappointing. And I kept saying, hey, wait, wait, wait. Like, let's let's enjoy this. Let's get there. Let's remember all the years or all the other teams that don't even make the playoffs and get a run. Hey, I, it sounds silly, but I bet you would trade getting a playoff series for not getting a playoff series this year. The last month of the, of the baseball season, you didn't really have anything to root for or really anything to care about. You know? Absolutely. And, like, I mean, here's I, the I funny thing is if this was July, okay, and they had a three-game series against the Colorado Rockies, and, and they got swept. And they, they lost two out of three or, or they got swept or something like that. It wouldn't be necessarily sh- shocking. People no. wouldn't say they choked. It's just baseball, right? That's what happens sometimes. Now, when you get to the postseason, Everything's you get to line up your rotation the way you wanted to. Hopefully, you've had a little bit of rest uh, going into the playoffs as the Dodgers did. In other words, you're, you have maybe a little bit of a chance to really focus and to kind of be able to bring your a game play to a give any given series. Um, so I, I agree with you when, when we're talking about using that word choking to me, choking is more about a moment than a series, unless a team just totally choked like a dog and, and got swept or something like that. Yeah, but when that's... I say a moment, like, you know, maybe a, a pitcher, a closer, it just has sure. nerves, a, a, right? A and it's just so jittery, a right? It, it's walking guys left and right. Like, to me, I think the Braves choked that game five. Yeah. And, and you know, that what, to and, me and, was a choke job. When it's a competitive game, that to me, that's not a choke job. We can even say that there are a lot of games, like, and we can say it about Kershaw last night, too, because maybe the moment got too big for him. But wasn't it amazing how he comes in in the bigger situation, gets the out? Like, if he gives up a home run there, that's a three-run jack, and now you're down. Yeah. And he gets the huge out, and it's like, oh, awesome. That was, like, so great. that He gets a big out. He saves Walker, and then he comes back in. I actually think that the first one, the, the pitch to Rendon, I don't even think was that bad of a pitch. Rendon no, just it was, like, low and, low, and Rendon did a ridiculous job being able yeah. to scoop that out and hit and, and, and drive it. The and next that one, was though, where, was, though was, But uh, that, that right there was where... When you bring someone like Kershaw in, who, who it's like a situation that, that's a little bit different, I think what you do is you roll with him until you get in trouble. And, and, and as soon as you get in trouble, that's when you make a move. Because what was what, what the issue that I had with you know the Dodgers is the last couple of years, I don't understand why I think the best bullpen option the Dodgers have had for three consecutive seasons now has been Kenta Maeda. Three years in a row. 
And what happens is he's become more used to it because he'll start at the beginning of the year. The end of the year, they'll bring him out of the pen. He's got a little more stamina because he's been built up. And then he comes out for like an inning or two and he's throwing a little harder. His stuff is just really, really good. And he can, but, but he's the type of player who can still go three innings, maybe four innings, at least one time through the lineup until, you know, at least one time through everybody seeing him. And so I don't know why. It seems like he wants to use Dave Roberts has wanted to go like two innings in past years with Kenley or multiple innings with with everyone or except Kenta, who is actually the one who should be going a little bit longer. So, you know, I, I didn't like the fact that Kershaw gives up the home run to Rendon. That's fine. I don't mind even starting the inning with him. Now you give up a home run. Go get him real quick. Don't put him in this spot in it anymore. You've mentioned the entire reason why Kolarik is on this postseason roster, and he's been incredible. Like nobody talks about what a great post like trade for that for the Dodgers that was. I mean, they got what they needed. They got a lefty guy who could go out and get lefties out. He got Soto out the first three times he faced him in the series. Why don't you go to him in the eighth inning now when you have six outs left? This is in a double elimination game. This is when you actually have to start managing out to out now, hitter to hitter. There's no tomorrow. There's no like. So once, so let me ask you this then. So Maeda comes in. No, so I, I think three batters, three strikeouts. You, yeah. you keep him in the game, right? A hundred percent. Well, I don't know why you take him out. And but 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 even even so, even so, right? You bring in Joe Kelly, who I'm fine with because this is why you got Joe Kelly, right? Joe Kelly was amazing last year against the Dodgers. If you look at his previous years. He's been amazing every time he's been a reliever in the postseason. Incredible. Literally one of the best postseason relievers out there. The problem with what with Joe Kelly, he comes in, he pitches a great inning. Joe Kelly only pitched five innings all of September. Why are you going to try to get two innings out of him in a big moment like this? That's what I don't I don't get. So it's back. It's you know, ass backwards, bass backwards. I just don't understand why you do that. <laughs> that that in that situation there. Um, it, obviously it's so easy to, to, to hindsight 2020 after, but I was mentioning this like while it was going on, like you can see things happening. Um, and obviously it all starts with Kershaw and then you're kind of behind the eight ball there. But then the little things like Pedro Baez, who had a bad outing earlier in the series, they, they just didn't feel confident going back to him. Julio Urias, who had a bad outing earlier in the series, they didn't feel confident going back to him. So right there, it took a couple different options off the table, but you still had, like you still had Maeda, you could go to it. You still had Cleric. You still had Kenley, who, I mean, he barely got into the series at all. And he's obviously really pissed. I mean, there's word that he might be wanting to demand some kind of a trade, you know, because he didn't like the way his usage was. And he struggled down the stretch, but you still got to get him into a, a, a spot maybe at some point here. I, I've been someone who defends, you know, Kershaw because I think a lot of times um, there's a a good game log of all of his playoff stats that I like to look at. And I'll, I'll post around that I, I've seen. And it shows that like, he's had a lot of really good outings and he's had some outings that are not that bad, but he's had some awful ones now. And the problem is, is that three of his last four, I'm even giving him a mulligan for game two of the series where he got shelled early, but he settled down and he got, he had the same outing that Strasburg had. He got through six innings and he gave up three runs. You know, but no one's going to say Strasburg had a bad outing because it was different the way it was. So I give him a mulligan for that one. I just can't do it for this one for for Roberts and for Kershaw because, you know, three years ago Kershaw, 
I'm okay with like this because the bullpen, this bullpen for the Dodgers doesn't have as many options. You don't have a May and a Urias, and you know you, you get a, a Caleric and Maeda. Like they're all stripling. Even there's a lot of options down there. They're not all amazing, but I bet you any one of the four playoff teams in the National League before the playoffs started would trade with the Dodgers their bullpen, full bullpen for bullpen. But they'd absolutely do it. Yeah, look, you made a lot of really good points there, and I think that there's. Uh, there's some other blame to go around. I think it starts with the bullpen. 100%. Yes, absolutely. I don't have as much of a beef with Dave Roberts as a lot of people do. I think maybe the one thing that I have to wonder is who is making the call on That's some of these. Huge you know, like, it's an analytics-driven you know, world, baseball world that we live in. I'm still kind of more of that you know, old school mentality that you have to kind of use gut feel instinct, your baseball coaching and experience. Uh, Is he handcuffed? Is he kind of told from, you know, are the instructions coming from above or from between his ears or is it a combination? Very curious about that. We're going to find out in the next few weeks because if he's still around, then they're coming from above. If they're not, you, you say if he's still around, but like, remember like the chargers with Schottenheimer, They'd get to the playoffs every year. They'd be like 12 and four, but then they'd face maybe like a hot, you know, Brady led Patriots team or Roethlisberger and the Steelers and they'd lose. And, and, and they got to a point where they're like, you know what? Getting to the playoffs isn't enough. We need to get to the Super Bowl with these talented rosters. And they just went downhill from there, and eight, eight, nine and seven. So sometimes I'm kind of looking at it and say, wait, so are you hoping that a different manager is going to advance you one series or one game or no, no. or instead of a game seven that you'll lose, a game seven that you win? I'm curious. Like, that's a tough ask. Like what you're He's saying. He's done a great job. Yeah, no, I'm curious what you're saying bef- per, kind of prior to this is what is the dynamic like? I, that's why I think we're going to find out in the next few weeks because if he's making some of these decisions on his own and they didn't go well, that's I think when when they get rid of him. I think if if he's just literally following out the plan, then no, they're not going to get rid of him because this is their plan. They're 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 really telling him what decisions to make for the most part, and he's being a good puppet master, and he's a very good the the players like him. He does a good job, you know, getting everybody to kind of buy in um, to the system. So, so what, so what so, do you think? Which do you think it is? I think that the move, the see the Kershaw move to me doesn't doesn't smell analytics, right? Like that that would be you're going to go get Caleric for Soto, absolutely, because that's why you have the guy and he's he's brought in he's got him out three times before. Um, like I, I don't know about the Rich Hill start. Is that a you know what I mean? Like I, I I'm not a fan of of starting someone who you know can only get you four innings in a playoff game. I don't think there sometimes if you go, you know, extra innings the game before something you're in circumstances where that's all you can do. But the Dodgers, that wasn't one of their the Dodgers strengths were their starting pitching depth. You don't think they could have been they just could have got four or five innings out of Dustin May, at least with the opportunity to go six Gonsolin, who wasn't even on the roster. He pitched great down the stretch. You could have gotten four or five out of Stripling or Urias, even a little bit more probably than you could have got from Hill. So I I don't know. There were some moves that didn't seem very analytic to me. That makes me think that maybe those are some moves that he kind of made on his own. And so we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he is a bad manager. I, I think he gets a bad rap a lot. I think he had a very bad game, and I wonder now that if there's pressure after, you know, so much expectations this year, you know how it happens. Sometimes somebody's got to go. Like somebody's got to get on the cross, even if they don't deserve it. 
and he I don't think he necessarily deserves it, but it just leaves a really bad taste in your mouth when the last thing we we remember was last night. Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough when when you've won that many games, you know, when you're the top gun in uh, in the league. And, uh, you know, you've got home field advantage and you're feeling like, hey, this is the year we're not just going to get to the World Series, but this is the year that we're going to win the World Series. I want to dive into some of the numbers and some of the other factors that perhaps led to the loss. Let's take our first commercial break, Gino, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit further about the uh, series with the Nats and then moving forward, how we can project the playoffs to kind of shape out with the Dodgers being out now. I think this is something that most probably uh, observers are surprised by. So that just makes it now a wide open National League and, and World Series dynamic. And I'll give you a reason why this is maybe more compelling than ever. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I was talking baseball and the, uh, the Dodger disappointment uh, last night. But as you mentioned uh, before the break, Mike... I mean, I think the people who deserve the immediate blame are the ones who are are were kind of put in the biggest moment and and faltered. 
but there is no way in a in a sport like baseball in a five game series where you could say this is all Dave Roberts, this was all Kershaw's fault. There, this team had plenty of opportunities before Kershaw got into the game to open this game up. After Kershaw got into this game to open this game up in game where they lost four to two uh, earlier on in the series when they lost, they had an opportunity in the last inning when they had the bases loaded and couldn't scratch. There were a few different holes in the lineup that really hurt them. Yeah, I mean, look, dude, this is a Dodger team that had a run differential this year of 273 on the plus side. That means they whooped up on their opponents. Yet in this series, in the five-game series, they put up three runs, two runs, and one run in the five-game stretch. I mean, they're hitting outside of collecting and racking up some runs, you know, in in uh, in the blowout game, you know, their their hitting really didn't show up in the way that I expected it to. There you were know, two, Pollock there were maybe had one of the worst all-time playoff series for a hitter ever. Yeah, what do you have, 13 for, strikeouts? Uh, it was over 13 with 11 strikeouts. I mean, he, that's uh, just He got on base one time he walked. Uh, the one that, that to me was the... Okay, Paul, Pollock was really bad. Uh, and then they noticed and they got him out of the lineup the last couple of days, right? So so that that's all you can do in a small series, right? Is you give someone a couple opportunities, they don't they don't they don't produce, and then you make an and then you make a move, which I liked. He made a move, he got Beatty into the lineup, who was having some really good at bats. He got Kiki into the lineup, who had a nice night last night. The one that hurt the Dodgers the most, because he had twenty at bats in the series, was was Seeger. Yeah. Uh, he only got three hits. In the series, he had one RBI uh, and eight strikeouts. Actually, no, excuse me, he, he had one walk. With zero RBIs. Zero RBIs. He yeah, had, eight I was looking wrong. He had a he had a walk, and uh, yeah. his only time, the only walk he had. Uh, I mean, it was it was really bad. Uh, he came up repeatedly in big spots, and one thing we've seen with him is, uh, it, it, Bellinger was like this in the first maybe two games. What I'll give him credit with is that he did make some adjustments, um, and and he did get on base at least in the last couple of games, and he he played a pretty good defense. He made a couple of good plays in the outfield to to keep the Dodgers in the game. And the the great thing about Bellinger is he gets on base and boom, he immediately steals. Like he's a weapon right away. He stole three bags in this. Yeah, year. he's one of those guys because he's you know super talented and athletic. You know, if his game in one area isn't excelling. He'll still you know, he's he's at least valuable because yeah he he's got to really bring it on defense he's got a cannon and and guys won't even run on him at times mm-hmm. because of his reputation and like you mentioned three stolen bases so sometimes a two eleven batting average isn't as destructive as it is from you know maybe your DH or something like that no, right no. so it's it's Versus it's it's Seager. different yeah um, obviously you know Muncie in terms of production super productive as always that guy's. Uh, I believe he's what the first to have a back-to-back series in the playoffs with three home runs mm-hmm. for the Dodgers. So he, he keeps delivering, always impressive. Anybody that listens to us knows. Uh, Kiki Hernandez doesn't get a, a maybe a ton of opportunities, but he seems to always make the best of them. Same thing with Russell Martin. So there were some guys that showed up. It's just but the overall, guys who shorten up. We've talked about it. You know, yeah. it's like it's the and with Seager, the problem with him is he's so aggressive and he, he goes after the first pitch so much that in the playoffs, they, you know, they know that 
And they're they either you know they give him that down and in breaking ball that he just can't ever seem to connect with, and he just repeatedly goes after it. And I'm not I'm not going to pretend like that's an easy pitch to lay off and to not swing at. You know, obviously he's sure. a great hitter, but it just seems like he's he's easy to attack. Bellinger has been in, in previous years, and I'll give him a little credit. Like we just mentioned, he didn't he doesn't let it, let it get to him as much. I think, um, and he still is able to to produce a little bit but you know you see freeze i love when freeze comes into the game uh, he always gives you a good at bat and and muncie and B- and peterson even will smith who who struggled a little bit he he drew a couple walks and i didn't feel like the moment was too big for him he actually almost hit a walk off home run he, he thought he did yeah, yeah. He started i thought, celebrating. He, I thought, I thought he did had a, i mean a shot it looked like he was out to right field it didn't feel like the moment was too big for him you, as a fan you look at this dodger team and it's like this whole team is back. Everybody's back except for Ryu. You know, like, and they have May and Gonsolin, who they just brought up as two, like, really, st- like, projected top of the line starting pitchers. Their farm system is incredible. They're built very well for a, a really long time. It's just, you keep putting yourself there. One of the years, it's going to happen, like, for the Braves, because. Clutch is so difficult to project, right, Mike? I mean, like, look at all of the the clutch Red Sox players last year. They had clutch postseasons. They couldn't get the postseason this year. Yeah, and you know, it it actually got me thinking after that game. I was like, you know what? Because the Red Sox uh, had a similar win total last year, and it got me thinking after this series was over. And I was like, you know what? Man, it really just shows how impressive it was to beat the Yankees. And then the Astros and then the Dodgers, they really beat the three best teams in baseball, earned their way there, and it's not easy. You know, they could probably replay that ten more times or nine more times, and it could very well be a very different outcome. And that's just the nature of baseball. And so, unfortunately for the Dodgers, this was, you know, that ninth or tenth time. You replay this, you redo this, and you're going to have different outcomes. Uh, But... There are some numbers that I kind of want to uh, quickly point out, um, and because we want to get to other teams, we'll we'll move off of this, uh, you know, disappointing series for you as a huge Dodger fan. But I think all along, everybody that looked at the Nationals all year long, they know about the starting pitching. I think the hitting was surprisingly better than maybe people expected after the departure of Bryce Harper. The weakness is the bullpen. So if we know that the Nats bullpen is their weakness you'd think that the strategy would be to knock the starters out of the game as quickly as humanly possible. But to me, what's mind-boggling is, you know, and and there are different ways to do that, right? You know, uh, you know, take more pitches, you know, take your pitches, uh, try to, try to, you know, get deeper into the count, try to draw some walks, do whatever you got to do to tire these guys out or to knock them out of the game. The nationals got quality starts, like they're doling them out left and right. Four out of the five games were quality starts. And for those who aren't familiar with that term, basically it's good innings. Their starters got to complete six innings, six innings, five innings, seven innings, and six innings in each of the five games. So they didn't knock a single starter out of the game. Yeah, and that's, that that's, was the, that's that stuff. Now, conversely, on the flip side, Gino, in terms of strikeouts, the Dodgers struck out 12 times, 17, 15, 12. I know we're in a strikeout era, the age of strikeouts, but still, if you're not putting the ball in play, and you and I were talking about this the other day from even when you're in, you know, uh, Little League, 
it's all about make the fielder make the play. And we've seen time and time again in these playoffs that you'll have third baseman, you know, uh, air mailing it to first or or muffing it on a on a on a routine grounder to shore or you know, what uh, takes a funny hop off the a blade of grass or whatever the case may be, you at least give yourself a chance. And so I know I use that term one trick pony a little bit, maybe excessively for some people's liking. But to me, I mean that in terms of an offensive strategy, if you're going to live and die by the home run or strikeout, these type of series can happen, which is why I'm not so bullish on the Yankees. I do think that the Yankees will lose to the Astros. And I say Astros because they are up right now. Four to zero in yeah, the that, decisive that game five. That's going to be a tough one. call for the for the Rays. And I thought the Dodgers would do the same thing, by the way, as Astros. And they kind of did. On it so early. They and they kind of did. They were up but they nothing. didn't continue the momentum. Yeah, and, and I think that's the one thing where I, I feel like as Dodger fans, and I think in, in general and as baseball fans, there are just a lot of people that this was a, a large upset because of the Dodgers having such a good season and wins and because of the Dodgers being a team to try to make it to the World Series three years in a row. And of, of all the they've just been rel- so relevant for the last few years. I think people are just not quite giving the Nationals as much credit as they deserve because this this was not a slouch team. And let me get let me say that this Nationals team could absolutely win the World Series. And they could absolutely beat the Yankees or the Rays. They could beat any team in any in a series because of their starting pitching. And I think they, while they don't have the depth and they definitely don't have a bullpen strength, they have enough starting pitching that can carry them and that can definitely swing series where you only have to beat a team every other day. And so that's what I think a lot of people are sure. I mean, the Dodgers struck out way too many times. And you know what? Seager if what what's sad is that if Seager, we're not saying Seager has to get seven more hits. He just had to get maybe two, maybe one. That that's the difference between winning and losing. So that that's the problem is they didn't even have to be so much better. They just they just couldn't be this bad. And there Agreed. were too many people that were this bad because you just were getting production from Turner and from Muncie on the regular. And that's yep. all you were able to count on, you know, for five consecutive games. No, that's very true. And, uh, you know, looking at, at the rest of uh, baseball, oh, it looks like the Rays may be uh, counterpunching. They just went yard. Okay, so some scoring Four early. one. Maybe okay. I'm kind of writing them off too early, perhaps. They're Eric feisty. Sogard with a solo shot to start off how, inning how number crazy, two. Though. How crazy would this be, though, if the Astros lost and the Dodgers lost? I mean, just from people as far as like the TV networks and the ratings and just like the interest, not like the Rays are a very good baseball team. The Cardinals, the Nationals are very good baseball teams. But as far as like the markets and getting LA in there and Houston, a team who was a, a heavy favorite, this would uh, this would be throw would definitely, wrench definitely upset things uh, in New York. That's for sure. You know, and look, baseball has been very fortunate, you know, since 2009 when the Yankees won the World Series, the last one, the World Series in 09. Uh, you know, they've they've in, the Red Sox have, been, have won a couple of World Series. They've had San Francisco involved three times. Uh, Los Angeles has been in back to back World Series. So we've had major sports markets represented in the World Series a vast majority of the time in recent memory. Uh, you're not going to get that every year, but 
that that's a good segue to me uh, my my feelings that we have some interesting options nonetheless, and I'm thinking now that the Astros and the Cardinals, in my mind, are the most likely World Series matchups. I know uh, that you're bigger on you're probably big on the Nationals because of their starting pitching, which makes total sense to me. But to me, the, the Cardinals and the Astros would be a very intriguing matchup from like a geeky baseball side uh, of me, just from the perspective of, you know, the Cardinals have this long and storied history. Astros have a good recent history. But the Astros kind of, the, the, this current Astros team has its roots from the Cardinals, starting with Jeff Luno all the way down to the to the uh, email theft scandal, if yeah. you could recall that. There's a lot of interplay that people may have forgotten about or haven't thought. I'm sure these storylines will come up if they do meet in the World Series. But, you know, this the, the modeling and the analytics came from St. Louis. So to I'm me, it would be a very interesting chess match to see those two teams line up against one another. Obviously, I think it would be an epic World Series if it's the Nationals and Astros, right? Because now you have the heavy hitting. Yeah. You know, so that would be a really, really intriguing matchup. Obviously, the Yankees with anybody is going to be intriguing. So we're still left with some pretty good options, uh, assuming the Rays do not advance. But if we're talking about Astros and the Yankees, St. Louis and, uh, and the Nats, you know, if it's St. Louis and, and the Yankees, how about that for historic baseball towns, historic baseball teams, historic, you know, uh, I don't even know how many times they faced each other from, you know, in the 40s and the 50s. But I know that. You know, it, it would be a, a very, very, very compelling, in my mind, type of matchup. It's the second best, probably, to a Yankees-Dodgers matchup. Yeah, I in the in the longer series, I actually might lean towards St. Louis. I do think they have more out of the bullpen they can throw at. Um, they can throw at the Nationals, and then like either one of them are the best. And and St. Louis, we've talked about with him too. What was scary about their lineup is they all just had bad years. Like a, a most of their like key players had bad years. That doesn't mean they can't get hot for two weeks in Goldschmidt and Ozuna, and that's what happened. They carried them or, or through that series. So, I, I that, that's going to be a really fun series. I, I would stick with Houston though if they were able to get through against the Yankees. Uh, I just think it, with their pitching, they, they'd be a little too tough. Yeah, to me, I think uh, so. So I guess if we're going to make you know some kind of midway through the postseason type of predictions, I, I'm going to go with the Astros and the Cardinals. And uh, I agree. I think Astros, the Astros, will be the World Series champs. I think they're just so well rounded. Don't have any weaknesses to uh, to really speak of. So let's take a, our second commercial break, Gino. We'll come back, finish up our talk about MLB, and get to some NFL. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. 
Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Any uh, last uh, baseball thoughts, Mike, uh, before we get into football? So you like uh, Houston. Who will advance from the uh, National League, though? Yeah, I I think I'd still lean with St. Louis, who I picked before the uh, I picked before the season. Now, the the issue with with Washington is. Their starting pitching is really, really good, but they have to be really, really good. They have to be consistently dominant. Oh, we saw what happened even even when Strasburg gave, gives up three runs. Like they, they should have, they still should have lost that game. So, I, I still so, contend if if the Dodgers had knocked out one a starter on one occasion, they win that series. Yeah. So you're yeah. absolutely right. If if this if the Cardinals are able to get to the starters, especially if they could do it in, in, earlier in the series. And make that bullpen work even tax them even further, starting game one or game two. That'll be big time advantage cards, don't you think? Uh, yeah, so I'd lean cards, even though I believe the Nationals are the favorite uh, in in the in this series now. So um, yeah, should be should be still good baseball. I mean, these are good these are good baseball teams. It's just definitely a little deflating when uh, when your team gets knocked out uh, in, in in that fashion. Right then, it was it was a brutal week because the, I, was, I was just telling you during the break as we kind of transition over to football. The the Rams had a had a rough loss last week too. Where so in this loss, get this. So this is me like as a fan, and, and more I bet the game, and, and actually the Rams. So this was this was gross because the Rams were a one and a half point underdog, and I bet the game on the money line, and the Rams lost by one. So That's if rough. you just sort of actually bet the spread, you would have won. But I I, I figured I'm gonna get plus one twenty. And I was looking at these stat, like a number where when teams are favored by one and a half, there have been like 78 instances and there have been three times where it landed on one. So it's like, oh, okay, you know what? It's it's worth the extra the extra juice if I can, you know, I'll, I'll get the plus 120. Especially of- when you hear me kind of barking at you like, dude, the spread when it comes to, you know, well, pick the winners, pick the winners. Because well, most close, of the time it does come through, you know? Well, and when it's, when it's, in particular, when I think the team can win, because a lot of times I'm, I'm like, ah, this spread is just off. So I'm going to steer clear of the spread. So uh, uh, I'm going to steer clear of the money line. But um, yeah, so that that was a that was a sour. Look, one look too, I, so I, I, I back you. Uh, I don't think I've ever played a minus one and a half. I, I think. No. In other words, if I'm if I'm going to if I like that team, that's the, the favorite or even getting the points either way. If that's a team that I'm playing, I'm going to money line it. 
to me, it doesn't make sense because, like you said, what's the number on that? Where it doesn't, it's not even relevant. Well, like what? it's 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 Dipsy. It's different if you're on if you're getting the plus the points because then you're getting plus one twenty um, instead of taking minus one ten. So then you're going okay. I'm. I think this team is going to win anyways. They're they're probably not just going to lose by one. Uh, on the other way, the minus one and a half. It's a it's a little bit different if you're betting a favorite there because it's not it's not quite the same. But the, but in the other way, it's like because you're not getting as much benefit. Sure, that yeah, makes sense. yeah. Because you're not getting really like so you're you're gonna you're actually losing. You know, you're gonna bet instead of minus one ten, you're gonna get the minus one twenty. And like we said, there's only been three instances where it. it so it's not really worth losing that extra. You know. The extra juice that you have to pay for that for the, but that that was a bad loss for the Rams and and what made it even worse. So they they miss a field goal at the end of the game, right? I mean that happens, right? Kickers miss field goals or extra points. We see we see it happen all the time. But sure. Greg Zierlein is really really good and he's really really consistent. And he was one. He had been ninety seven percent, one hundred and twelve out of one hundred and fifteen. On kicks 45 yards and in Heading into that one And There was a play That was made That was a catch by Tyler Lockett In the back of the end zone And the next gen stats ranked that play As the most improbable catch Since 2017 yeah, in the the window yeah. that was in. So those two things had to happen In order for the Rams to lose So sometimes it's just not your night Or it's not your week So speaking of the Rams They have uh Huge what game. no one expected to be a, a really, really big matchup um, at this juncture of the season against the 49ers. Uh, what are your thoughts on that matchup? This is actually going to be one of my plays, but the key, I think it's still, and I'm going to make sure, I, I think it's gone down to three, which to me is just too short. The, I still don't know enough about the 49ers because w- there are a few things that I know about them. They're definitely better than I thought at the beginning of the year they would be. They are very well coached. They have a good defense, and they can run the ball. I think I know those things about them. And when you have those things, I think you're going to be at least a solid football team. The problem is is that the four opponents they've played, and I feel this way sort of with the Patriots too, but we know a little bit more about the Patriots. I don't know if, if San Francisco has caught some really inconsistent teams when they've just shown up and played poorly or how much of it is San Francisco causing those teams to just look terrible? I think it's a little bit of both, but I just don't know how much. Like, is this Niners team a nine-win team now, or are they a 12-win team? Yeah, you know, the reason that I'm not, like, a big believer in the 49ers, even the defensively, they've played pretty well. They're running the ball fairly well, like you mentioned. I'm just not a believer in Garoppolo. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And, and we haven't we haven't seen it. Yet to where he's had to to do a lot now. I mean go through their four wins They played Tampa and you get Jameis like you you never know what you're gonna get with Jameis, right? I mean he could play great or he could play horrible and he played really poor They got two pick sixes in that game and they weren't really pick sixes that were like great defensive plays They were more bad plays from Jameis then they played Cincy who is terrible They're one of the worst teams in the league then they played Pittsburgh San Francisco turned the ball over five times in that game and Pittsburgh still couldn't win. I think that was a lot more on Pittsburgh and their inability to move the ball. They've looked really, really bad. And then they played Cleveland last week. San Francisco was coming off a bye. Cleveland had to travel, go to San Francisco. And you know what? I don't think Cleveland was ever winning, but that game was about to be 14-10 to 10 in the second quarter when Callaway dropped a touchdown. 
and he dropped the touchdown. The 49ers intercepted it. They went down the field and scored a touchdown. And instead of 14 to 10, it was 21 to 3, and the game was completely over. So, you know, that really changed that game. Big, I think. That's a big swing, especially for a team that I don't think Huge has a very swing. strong mental makeup. No, like the, the, the Browns, they can't bounce back from that. And that's what the Browns are going to be all year. They're going to be, I think, good week, bad week, undisciplined. Maybe can beat a team when you're not expecting it, and then when everybody, when everyone writes them off, and then when everyone crowns them, they're gonna they're gonna lay an egg. Like that's just the kind of team they're gonna be. And so I'm making them one of my plays this week. The Browns at home plus two against Seattle. That's gonna be one of my plays this week. So okay, let's uh, let's get into our plays then. How'd you do last week, and uh, where are we going this week? Actually, been doing been doing really really well. Uh, I think I only gave out two on the show. Yes, last week. Yeah, and I think they both scored. So uh, we'll we'll get through. I think we said after weeks after this next week we'll we'll uh, give you all the numbers. We'll give the season long tallies. So two and zero for you last week. I gave out three plays. I went one and two uh, in mine. Uh, The Raiders, which uh, almost gave Raider fans a heart attack by uh, coughing up a huge lead, but they found a way to kind of sack it up and and uh, put the nail in the coffin and get that win uh, straight up. Um, And then somehow for I don't know why I'm so stupid to keep backing Cincy. I keep thinking that they're going to get things on track, but I'm done with them. I'm off they, that they ship. So bad. Not they that I ever so thought that they were good, but I no, thought but they're, they, they're, were they were in spots. Yeah, they were. I they were in spots. Competitive. You know, you'd think they have. You know, they have decent skill position guys. They should be able to score the ball more than they have been. You know, they got an experienced quarterback, and I know they've got some injuries to uh, their big wide receivers, but still. And then the other team, which was kind of a big letdown, was the New York Giants. And I know that Minnesota wasn't or isn't as bad as they've maybe shown, especially in the passing game. So we knew that there was going to be a rebound there. But uh, the Giants, obviously, they were uh, outmatched. And they got uh, banged up, too, Especially when, when you have a... Guys that are out with concussion, you yeah. got Top Gun running back that's out. You have his backup that gets a concussion. Sterling Shepard gets a concussion. So um, I think as the game went on, I started realizing, wow, had I known all this, which you you can't know, um, I would not have backed the Giants. So I'm going to have a short-term memory and forget about the one and two week and uh, look to get things on track this week. So yeah. your first play is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I'll take the Browns uh, plus the two. The um. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go six this week. We'll go with six. Okay. Well, we'll, well, have, okay. we'll have a good amount. Okay, okay. So we'll have the the Browns. Plus you want to just uh, rattle them up? I'll just go. I'll just go in order. Yeah. And the, if you've got any key reasons, uh, let's let's hear them. Yeah. The first one is going to be the uh, London game, and Carolina is coming off a couple victories. And last week, Minshew fumbled the ball three times. They were able to score fourteen points off of those, and then they were able to kind of drain the clock a little bit late. And the the Jags still almost came back and beat them. And then Tampa, we talked about Jekyll and Hyde Tampa. They played poorly last week against the Saints after playing well against the Rams the week before. I like Tampa in this game, plus two and a half in London. That's going to be my first play. Uh, I'm going to go Kansas City, minus four. They've been banged up, but they might get some of their pieces back this week. It looks like Tyreek Hill, maybe. Watkins, I I, I don't think as much. But if you get either one of them back... This line probably would move up. So try to get it right now. It's down to minus four. People saw Mahomes, his ankle, he's a little off. Everybody saw Houston score 53 points and Kansas City's coming off the, the game where they just looked bad. So this game was up to like six, six and a half, and now it's all the way down to four. I think you have to take Key State at four. Uh, I'm going to take the Jags 
They're minus one and a half at home. Uh, the same thing. New Orleans just looked so good the last couple weeks. Now they're going on the road. They're going to play a really feisty Jacksonville team. They're a fun team to bet on because Minshew just keeps you in the game, and they're running the ball really, really well now with Fournette. They've started figuring that out. They might have Ramsey back to play for to play in this game. Uh, I mentioned the Browns plus the two, so those are four so far. Uh, the Rams minus the three. This is a must-win game for the Rams now. This game is moving down. They might not have Gurley. That actually might be better for them. There might be not as much pressure to have to feed Gurley, and they can just open the field up a little bit. And uh, the 49ers are banged up a little bit. They have an injury to use check, and both of their tackles are hurt. So this could just be a bad week for, for Frisco after a big win. And then the last one, the Chargers. They're coming off a bad loss, and... I think this is like a must-win game for the Chargers. They are a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and they're playing Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh just looks bad. That was a tough loss for Pitt last week in overtime, a game that they actually could have stole. They almost were able to sneak that one out with the really weird tactics of kicking the ball first in overtime that, that Tomlin pulled. I've never seen that one before. Uh, it almost worked for them, but at six-and-a-half, as long as this game is under seven, I'm taking it. I think the Chargers will win this game by a touchdown. Good stuff. So uh, Cleveland, Tampa, Kansas City, Jags, Rams, and the Chargers. Yep. So we have one synonymous play. Uh, I'm also going with Tampa uh, for regular listeners to the show. Uh, they may remember, or you may remember, that Tampa has, was kind of my uh, long shot team for this year. Mm-hmm. And um, like you mentioned, you know, the, you really don't know what to expect from them week by week, uh, which is a little bit surprising for an Arians coach team. Uh, but then again, I mean, these are only his first five games with the mm-hmm. team. And I think that there's some signs to be optimistic about. And it, it kind of does begin and end with a famous Jameis. I mean, he, he, he's got all the talent in the world, but he's highly inconsistent. Hopefully they could kind of get more consistent Jameis than inconsistent. And I think this team is getting, you know, battle for possibly the last wild card spot um, and 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 take take that step forward proving that that was a really really good hire so I'm in agreement Tampa plus two everything else we're uh, kind of looking at different spots for winners here Gino uh, the Atlanta Falcons have been ultra disappointing to me they have not able to get a pass rush going whatsoever and their running game is just stagnant Arizona is not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but they've been way more competitive than I ever could have imagined. And they're at home, and Atlanta's not feeling good about themselves. they got to travel all the way to the West Coast. So I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals. I don't like betting bad teams. It seems like I keep betting bad teams. No, but I don't know why, but I just think that this line, getting two and a half points, one bad team against another, um, and, and Arizona's shown that they can move the ball. And if... I'll tell you, man, if Atlanta is not able to get a pass rush, watch out. Kyler Murray could really, really tee off and embarrass them with both with his feet and his arm. So we only have about 30 seconds to a minute, though. So speed uh, speed up your last few uh, so we can get. Yeah, let me just rattle off the last two because I don't have a lot to say about them anyways. Denver Broncos minus two. And the New York Jets, plus seven against the Dallas Cowboys. With Darnold back. So you got Tampa, Arizona, Denver, and the Jets. You got it. Good luck, Mike. Thanks, everyone, for listening again, and uh, we'll be back next week. Mike, we're getting close to the Breeders' Cup now. We're going to have a big Breeders' Cup show coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I absolutely can't wait, and that's also when the college season kind of heats up and we start getting towards Thanksgiving, and, man, it's going to be a great second half of this NFL season. 
Thanks for listening. As always, talk to you next week, same time, same place. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.